I'll go home as a beggar and never be your wife. Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Katie, and this is The Housewife Did It. True Crime Edition. All right. I'm thinking we're just going to dive right in. I have a quick real-time true crime, but this is going to be probably our longest true crime episode ever. So, buckle in, folks. First real-time true crime, Danello Cavalcanti, who was convicted of first-degree murder of his girlfriend, escaped from a Pennsylvania prison two weeks ago, and he was found this last week. In 2021, he stabbed his girlfriend 38 times in front of her children. He escaped from the prison by crab walking up the walls and climbing through what I assume was like painful barbed wire type situation. They ended up using a helicopter to find a heat spot on the ground. And when they checked it out, he was found asleep on top of a rifle that he had stolen in the nearby community. It doesn't seem that anyone was harmed during his escape, but thefts were committed and he was spotted at various people's homes. He is now back in prison and facing federal escape charges. Nuts. Yeah. The crab walking video was really something to watch. Uh, Yeah. My boss told me she watched it and she was like, it's creepy. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. All right. On to today's case. On December 23rd, 2015, police arrived to the home of Connie and Rick DeBate in Ellington, Connecticut, after receiving a distressed 911 call reporting a home invasion. Rick DeBate was found bound and injured in the kitchen, but alive. Unfortunately, they found that his wife, Connie, had been fatally shot in the basement. At 10.19 a.m. on December 23rd, Rick DeBate called 911 after being attacked by an intruder in his house. To dispatch, Rick is only able to get out short phrases like, need help. He was found by first responders on his kitchen floor, partially zip-tied to a folding chair. He was bleeding and moaning out in pain, and blood was found smeared around him on the kitchen floor. It was not immediately obvious what injuries he had sustained, or how serious they were, so he was transported to the hospital at that time. Rick tells police that the morning had started like so many others. Connie was getting ready to go to her spin class at the YMCA. Rick was getting ready for work, and they were getting the kids ready to head off to school. Rick and Connie both left around the same time. Rick got about five minutes down the road before realizing that he had forgotten his laptop. And at nearly the same time, Rick got an alert on his phone from their home alarm system. Since he already needed to return to get his laptop, Rick headed home and emailed his boss around 9.05 that he would be late to work because he needed to go home and check out that alert. In the email, he says that he thinks that they may automatically send police out to the home, so he needed to go and check on things. When he got home, Rick says he heard a noise upstairs, but he truthfully thought it was just their cats playing and maybe even knocking things over. Yeah, cats do that. Mm-hmm. He did go up there. Yeah. <laughs> just push the drink all the way over. Mm-hmm. 
He did go upstairs to check on what the noise was, and as soon as he got into his and Connie's bedroom, he realized that their closet light was on. Pretty quickly, he saw a large man dressed in camo rummaging through Connie's drawers. He described this man as really large, wearing a mask, and having a deep Vin Diesel-like voice. Okay, if you're watching on YouTube, I feel like... Spoiler. <laughs> I No, I'm just... I'm thinking um, this makes our phone call yesterday make a lot more sense. I was like, the back door is open. You were like, did you check the closets? Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah. I guess I will. Rick said he pushed the closet door the rest of the way open, and obviously a conflict ensued. The intruder threatened Rick with a knife and demanded his wallet. At this time, unfortunately, Rick heard the garage door open and then the front door, and he realized that Connie was home. Connie's spin class actually had ended up being canceled due to it being two days before Christmas, um, which is why she even ended up coming home at this time. So Rick yelled down to her to get out of the house, but she did not leave. He can't really be sure what happened, but the assumption is that Condi ran into the basement where she knew they kept their gun in a safe. That is incredibly brave. I really think she probably should have just left, like Rick suggested, and gone to call for help. We'll get more into this, but Connie and Rick were very close with their neighbor friends, so, and none of her friends worked during the day. Let me just mm-hmm. point out. So, I don't think it would have been difficult to run somewhere and get help for Rick. Yeah. I mean, maybe she, like, obviously doesn't know how immediate this danger is, but... That's just my thought. I'm not sure if the intruder just heard her or what, but he attacked Rick and pushed him down the stairs. He made his way past Rick and ran down the stairs to chase after Connie. Once Rick was able to get back up, although it's unclear how long this was, he followed after the intruder. When he runs into the basement, though, he says he just remembers hearing a bang and seeing the silhouette or vague figure of his wife fall to the ground. Rick says that the intruder forced him over to a chair in the basement. He zip-tied Rick to the chair, the same folding chair that he would later be found attached to, and there's a bug, and began to use Rick's own tools on him to torture him including a box cutter and a blowtorch. The intruder had only bound Rick by one arm and one leg. Um, unwise. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. It's giving Letitia Stalk versus Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I feel like we have, like, one one of these, like, little things come up every time where we're, like, okay, now that that is simply stupid. That's the one. <laughs> like, Ed Buck letting you get on his mm-hmm. computer. Or David Parker Ray leaving someone alone. Mm-hmm. Like, every time there's something like, mm, that's, like, silly, that Silly intruder. Yeah, leaving him... Only tied a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not smart. No. But okay. 
Because of this, Rick was able to use his free arm to turn the blowtorch onto the intruder, and it caught his mask on fire. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous. This is ludicrous. The intruder dropped his grip. I beat him up with a blowtorch. The intruder dropped his grip on the blowtorch at that time and ran out of the back door of the basement. Rick started screaming for help, and he was eventually able to crawl or drag himself up the stairs into the kitchen where he activated the panic alarm on their security system and called 911. According to the arrest affidavit, which I read all of, what a fun time. First to arrive was a firefighter. He found Rick, and Rick moaned to him, they're still in the house. Scary. Mm-hmm. Rick did have one arm and one leg zip-tied to the chair, as well as one zip-tie tied tightly around his neck. Though it was not embedded to the skin, into the skin, it was tight. Um, and this one also was not connected to anything. In the basement, the police did find that pile of tools with blood drops surrounding it and a revolver laying right next to Connie's body. This was the debate's revolver that was kept in the basement, and the safe was also found open. Connie's cell phone and Fitbit were still tucked into the waistband of her pants. (laughs) Do you want me to say something? (laughs) She wouldn't have even needed to run to the neighbors to call 911. Yeah. Silly Connie. Why didn't you just use your cell phone? I think it's interesting. You don't see a lot of intruder stories in which the wife is killed and the husband is bound and Mm -hmm. tortured. That is unusual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would have been pretty easy, I think, to just shoot both of them. But yeah, this intruder might have just, like, realized in that moment that he had some, like, sadomasochistic fantasies to live out, and he decided to do those via box cutter and blowtorch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do it on Connie. He had already accidentally shot her. Accidentally. Well, he had to. She was the one running to the gun. Like, maybe he wanted to torture her, but... This gun and one other that was kept in their bedroom had been purchased just in the last few months when some concerning things started happening around their home. On October 2nd of that year, Connie found yellow rags had been stuffed into her car's tailpipe. One week. Yeah. I don't know what it does, but I know it's bad. I mean, it could kill you. But, yeah. Again, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happens. I just know you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. One week later, on October 9th, Rick found that his car windshield had been damaged. Rick, as well as people who were close to Connie, recalled there being some tension and issues with the debate's contractor, Ken Sweeney. All of these things led them to buy guns, as well as a security camera. The camera, though, had still not been set up yet. Back at the hospital where Rick is being treated for his injuries, the police are trying to piece things together so they can find out who broke into the debate home and killed Connie. However, very quickly, the police start recognizing some inconsistencies in Rick's story. 
especially as they were receiving reports of the evidence back at the scene. First, let's talk about Rick's injuries. Rick had superficial wounds to his left chest, his thighs, and his face. He tells police that the intruder was poking him with his box cutter, including... I can't even say this quote. No, Mary, you're not ready. Including light taps on his head. (laughs) And he explained that they, quote, weren't aggressive. Aww. (laughs) What a nice intruder. That's sweet. He also had a cut on his middle finger, which he said he does not remember occurring. Rick explained to police that the intruder had put him into various pressure point holds, and this was how... This is how he was able to incapacitate him in the upstairs bedroom and then later force him into the chair in the basement. I love that this is, like, a time for him to be like, I'm so fucking cool and strong. For what? Oh, sorry. no. I was thinking you said Rick put him in a pressure point. Hold. No. Well, I was like, was... like yeah. Hey. What a silly time for the intruder to try to prove how strong no. he is. Yeah, but all, I think the reason I thought that is because, like, we went from light taps on the head <laughs> to, like, pressure point hold and forcing you into a chair. Yeah. He had said, like, his quote is that he put him in a pressure point hold and walked him like a dog to the chair. Like a dog. Yeah. Rick was... Um, I'm picturing, like... Like, in 2000s, like, high school shows where, like, a kid gets in trouble and his mom, like, grabs him by the neck and, like, walks him out of the school like, Mm -hmm. oh my god, I can't believe you. Yeah, yeah. Strangely, though, Rick was not observed to have any bruising in the areas of those pressure points. At the home, a canine had been brought in to track the scent of the intruder. The canine tracked out of the back basement door as was suspected, and found Rick's wallet in the yard, assumed to have been dropped by the intruder. His wallet still had all of his cash and cards inside. Nothing seemed to be missing after the intruder had gotten that wallet at knife point. He took nothing from it. The dog continued on from the wallet, but instead of tracking further back behind the house, or back out to the road, the dog tracked the scent to and through the front door of the house. They stopped the track because Rick was still being treated by paramedics inside the home at that time. So the dog was trying to go inside, but but Rick was in there. So They decided to do a second track, which brought the dog to the front again, but this time he followed Rick into the ambulance. They attempted one last track where they attempted to guide the dog straight back away from the house where the intruder likely would have run and the dog hit on nothing. The police indicate to Rick that a timeline will be developed based on his reports of events as well as phone calls, emails, and other digital records. Rick replies, quote, I want it to line up. I want to be honest. End quote. Mm. The detectives tell him Don't that the say that. No. Stupid. The detectives tell him that the facts are not adding up, and Rick says, Okay. Okay. 
Just one day mm-hmm. after this interview and the murder, Rick would hire a well-known defense attorney in the area, Hubert Santos, to defend him. Now, keep in mind, this questioning is all taking place on that same day from the hospital. But Rick's not really hurt very badly, so he they actually end up telling him and the police, like, we need this room, and he's fine. Go home and wash your wounds with soap and water. And so... That's what I told my kids. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They hate it. So they had to... Like, I need a band-aid, and I'm like, go wash your hands. Yeah. So they moved the interview, or, like, they moved this questioning or whatever to just, like, a conference room in the hospital. But this is all taking place in the hospital voluntarily. Rick's not under arrest. He can leave. Mm-hmm. He's also not going to be staying at the hospital because he doesn't need true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The police begin to inquire about Rick and Connie's relationship, asking him if they're going to uncover anything about the relationship or any secrets. He confesses to having an affair, kind of, with a woman that he's known since high school. Sarah. Seems her, quick. Yeah. Her, I'm telling you, dude. I really think. I really think he thought, like, I'm injured, they're going to feel bad for me, like, they would not start questioning me this soon. Oh. I thought you meant, like, they were going to feel bad that he was having an affair, like, no. I don't think he was prepared to answer this many questions already. Are you drinking a soda? Mm-hmm. Oh. Her name was Sarah Ganser. He explains that she was single, unmarried, that's what single means whatever, Uh, and Mm -hmm. wanted to have a child. Connie had also been wanting to have another child, according to Rick, but had some health issues that made her unable to do so. So they decided Mm -hmm. that they would help Sarah to have a kid, and then they would Mm -hmm. all co-parent together. He says, though, that they realized how expensive and time-consuming artificial insemination would be So, they had to use some, quote, untraditional methods. And by this, he means a very traditional method, which was sex. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that comes out of this man's mouth, I'm like, you put no thought into that. Yeah. You just let it flow. Without considering a single thing. Yeah. At first, he indicated that it was Connie's idea and that she was absolutely cool about it. And these mm-hmm. male detectives are like, so your wife, like, wanted you to have sex with someone else? And he's like, right. yeah, yeah, it's her idea. Of course she did. After some apparent confusion from the detectives, Rick shifted his story to say that while this plan had been discussed, some cheating had begun, and he and Sarah's conception was actually unexpected. So Sarah's pregnant via the via the sex method, but not planned by Connie. <laughs> he stated at one point that he had told Connie about it, and that she was mad at first, but was later okay with it. No, she wasn't. But at another point, he states he had not told Connie yet. Yeah, there's no way she was okay with it. 
Sarah Ganser was due to have this baby in February. Two months from now. Mm. Here's some more of what we know about Rick and Connie's relationship. In Connie's notes app, written in December of 2014, about a year prior to her murder, she wrote, He takes money from a lot of accounts that don't belong to him, says he's sorry but takes no responsibility, he does not keep any of his promises to me, he forgets everything, he was not sympathetic when my dad was diagnosed, he lies to people and makes them think we have a great sex life and we are this super couple, he has to be the center of attention all the time. He does not worry about anything. He has no money in his bank account. His credit is horrible. He acts like a kid constantly. That's rough. Yeah. Also, when she says he acts like we're a super couple, let me just say, Rick DeBate is obsessed with Superman. Mm-hmm. Little weirdo. Um, yeah, for Kyle. Yeah. Love Superman. Friends also reported that the debates threw a Halloween party in 2015, so just a couple months before her murder, and that Connie had confided in them after the fact regarding Rick's behavior. She told them that Rick got incredibly drunk and took off all of his clothes in front of their guests and called her a bitch. In December of 2015, the month that Connie would end up murdered... The couple went on a trip to Vermont. Rick tells the police that it went great and that he and Connie's relationship was better than ever. On the 19th, a friend in Vermont invited them over for dinner, but Rick texted them around 9 p.m. saying, I'm sorry about not swinging by. I'd love to see you guys in the house another time. Connie is in a little bit of a mood this evening, doing my best to have a solid date night and cheer her up. She's a bit moody. Smiley face emoji. Throughout December, Rick had been texting a lot of people about Connie being moody, bitchy, quote, on a rager. At one point, he texts a friend to go easy on Connie, and the friend was like, dude, I'm never mean to Connie. I don't understand what you're talking about. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just she's so... She's just getting all mad, and the friend is literally like, huh? Like, what? What are you talking about? It's giving Tom Sandoval. Yeah. Trying to preface Scandoval breaking me, like, Ariana never listens to me. Yeah. It's very much- like, we didn't fucking ask. Yeah, it's very much like, if we get a divorce, I want people to to think it's, like, her fault, or, like, think, yeah. Right, like, setting setting it up to where- people are like taking his side like oh i i remember though that she Mm -hmm. was getting pretty moody Mm -hmm. a couple days later connie texts rick she says hopefully by the start of the year hopefully by the start of the year without verizon cable and your raise maybe you can now have five hundred dollars extra a month to save And if you can get your interest rate lower on your car loan, you can pay off your loan by the very latest December of next year, freeing up almost another $300. Rick replied, this is getting you wet, isn't it? Connie said, yeah, it would make me wet if I saw you saving it. (laughs) Drag him! She said, 
fuck you. Which is also, like, so childish that, like, she's just trying to talk to you about your fucking bills. Like, y'all are a married couple. Yeah, and you're married. you're just yeah. like, I'm a little teenage boy. Rick's bank records also show frequent charges of large amounts of money to a nearby strip club and trips to a Motel 6. With Sarah, probably. Not Probably not a strip club. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> a little pregnant lady in a strip club. <laughs> On December 22nd, the day before her murder, Connie texted Rick, that's my birthday. Happy birthday. Connie texted Rick, quote, I have been on the phone with Comcast for the last two hours. They're saying our bill was 302 a month instead of 149 a month because you added the sports channels. They are not paying me back. So I am out over fucking $1,200 for cable and you again lied to me and I am again cleaning up your fucking mess. At this time, Rick attempts to call Connie, but of course, she is on the phone with Comcast, so she can't answer. He continued to deny adding any sports channels, although obviously they've been on there for at least four months because this has turned into $1,200. Right. He continues to deny adding them. She texts back, Merry fucking Christmas, and he replied, It will be a Merry Christmas. Just call me when you're ready. Stupid. Okay. Eh. Um. No. Yeah. Some you don't of- get to meet her energy after you got her fucked up. Yeah. Some, one of the podcasts I listened to on this case were like talking about married couples that have separate bank accounts and they were saying like it would be weird typically for married couples to have separate bank accounts but maybe it only happened because he like like abused you know like who would want to share a fucking bank account with Rick debate nobody so personally uh mary and i do not see a problem with married couples having separate bank accounts Um, and I also just think that, like, it doesn't seem like they're not sharing their money. Like, they're, they're having cable on the same, like, they're sharing cable bills. They're, like, sharing bills. But, like, yeah, why would you want Rick DeBate to be buying, going to the strip club with your money, buying Superman paraphernalia with your money? Like, no, this dude is a fucking baby. (laughs) Like, get out of here. And he doesn't, like... Yeah. Whatever. What's mine is not necessarily yours. No. Also, he already owes you $1,200. When, when, when yours is dumb shit. Yeah. So now we're going to return to the evidence that the police are compiling. Police were trying to figure out how an intruder would have entered the home. And while Rick could not be sure, he did suggest that perhaps someone came in through the basement window. The window pane was on the floor of the basement, about six feet below the window. There was no damage to the window pane or to the window locks. Police also found on the outside of the basement window dust and cobwebs and mulch, all of which they concluded would have likely been disturbed if someone had broken into and crawled through the window Especially if that person were a large six foot four man. 
if it were Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. And they also found a screwdriver and screws where the window had been undone. <laughs> and they said, Rick debate on them because that's who they want. Like, obviously, come on. Yeah. Somebody well, just took the window over and was like, oh, no, someone broke in. Mary, you must be a genius. There was evidence that the locks were not broken off from the outside, but had been unscrewed from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then the window pane was placed on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Text messages between Rick and Connie show that on December 21st, Connie was texting Rick about how the basement window fell out again. And I'm going to tell you something. So the window thing is actually similar to something else. I just want to be clear that we're not trying to make a mockery of Connie's death. And I actually can't decide if it's better for her that her murderer is so stupid or if it's, like, worse because it's, like, humiliating, like, that this is your husband. But... Humiliating that this is your husband, not humiliating that... No, of course. No, of course. But, like, I would be, like, from, the, also, from the dead, I would be, like, you couldn't even, like, kill me smartly. But also I good. Was, well, I think he was humiliated by him in While, her life. Yeah, true. Yeah. So... Similar to the window that was unscrewed from the inside and placed on the ground, when the trooper came out and found the scene of Rick's damaged windshield in October, he noted that the outside of the windshield was smooth, but the inside was shattered. It seemed to the trooper that the damage had been done from the inside of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Just imagine him tinkering away <laughs> From inside, he's like, ding, 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 yeah. Ding. Which also makes me wonder, like, the windshield came after the rags, so the windshield I feel like was just a way to like add to the rag thing. Oh, mm -hmm. there's all this stuff happening around our house, and like maybe it's even like, oh, something happened to Connie's car, so now something needs to happen to my car to make it look not suspicious. If I'm not it's clear, it's really giving the style. Yeah, but if I'm not clear. I fundamentally believe that Rick did both things, just, mm -hmm. just to be upfront here. But do you think that he put the rags in her tailpipe as an initial murder attempt or to set up we have stuff happening at our house or set up things, but if she dies, whatever? Can you tell me what exactly happens when rags are stuffed into your tailpipe? I don't know. But, I mean, I think what would happen is something about the fumes would be backed up into your car, would be my guess. There's nowhere for the um, fumes to escape. I feel like he probably, similarly to me, was like, that's not good for your car. Okay. Not like... But didn't know, like, what exactly would happen. Okay. And so, maybe, if he is also, like, messing with his windshield, maybe just to, like, make it look like shit was going on... Yeah. Maybe even just because he was pissed at her and was like, I'm going to fuck with her car. Yeah. And then this, like, came along later. But I don't know. Because I, like, I truly cannot imagine imagine being this much of a dumbass. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm having trouble 
Dude, if you were if you were planning this since October, yeah. If I was a dumbass, what would I do? It took you two months to come up with this. This. Okay. I'm gonna unscrew the window. <laughs> so detectives did go look into Ken Sweeney, the couple's former contractor. Not only did he not fit Rick's description of a large six foot four man with a Vin Diesel voice, but his alibi also checked out. They found that there were no signs of a robbery. Even the drawers in the master bedroom closet where Rick originally found the intruder rummaging around were unopened and undisturbed. But Rick was tied to a chair, so he didn't put the drawers back. Also, I had heard somewhere I don't know that this is a big deal, but just, like, also painting the scene that nothing was really staged in this house. The door to their bedroom was, like, this, like, cracked like this. So, like, Mm -hmm. you ran out of the bedroom after this intruder to go save your wife, and you pulled the door shut behind you? (laughs) According to digital evidence, Rick did not receive an alert from his alarm system around 9 that morning. The only time the alarm system was activated was by Rick right before he called 911 around 1020. There were many pieces of Rick's timeline that morning that never seemed to add up. He told many versions of the story, so many that I actually can't keep up. But the gist is this. Rick claims to have left for work around the time that Connie left for spin class, Rick's supervisor confirms to investigators that he was supposed to arrive to work at 9 each day. His reported times for leaving home vary between 8.10 and 8.30 in his different stories, but he claims he received the alert on his phone only 5 to 10 minutes down the road. His email to his boss, though, was sent at 9.05. Presumably... This would mean he did not send it until he was all the way back home. But Rick also claims that he heard and found the intruder shortly after coming home, meaning the chaos would have begun immediately and he would not have been able to send an email during that time. So basically, if he left between 8.10 and 8.30, he gets 10 minutes down the road. We'll give you the most, right? 8.40. And... He says he he pulled over and emailed his boss. But it also only would have been 10 minutes home. So even if he didn't email his boss till he got home. Right. You got home at 8.50, went nine. inside, immediately heard the cats upstairs, and you didn't send the email for 15 minutes. So. Hmm. he He's like, he's he's got that one arm and leg free. And he's like, oh shit. I should probably tell my boss I'm running late. Not tell my boss to call 911. Just, I'll be in late today. (laughs) Rick says he hears... (laughs) I'm stupid. Rick says that he hears Connie walk in within seconds of him finding the intruder. It's unclear how long the rest of the events may have taken, but it couldn't have been very long. Rick does specify that he believes he was only in the chair for 30 seconds to one minute before he was able to turn the blowtorch onto his attacker. Which, of course, makes sense that it wouldn't take you long when your hand is free. 
<laughs> he's like, I, I know that I'm stupid. So if I'm gonna make up a character, he also has to be stupid <sighs> and not aggressive. Also, can I just say, if I think you could just walk, <laughs> maybe bent a little, but you could just walk. But remember, he also like he is the most like vapid looking man I've ever seen. I think. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> looks so stupid. Yeah, Superman. But even though he would have been home by like nine o'clock. Only took probably five minutes for his wife to be shot, 30 seconds to one minute in the chair. He does not call 911 or press the panic alarm until 10:19. So, where in the hell did that hour go? Using. Huh? Is it a right? <laughs> like, he can't even tell time. He can't do a lapsed time. You want to, like, look at the time that you. Okay. <laughs> Using digital evidence from Connie's phone and her Fitbit, the police are able to piece together her movements for that morning. This is also referred to as the Fitbit murder. For this reason. Her phone and her Fitbit that were still on her. Yep. Connie woke up that morning and immediately checked her phone. She messaged a few friends, and shortly after, she put on her Fitbit. This was back when Fitbits went on your waistband. Weird. I didn't she, know that was a thing. Yeah, I think they like hook. I don't. It was weird. I think it mostly, like, was like heart rate monitoring or something. I don't know. I thought you were going to say this is back when Fitbits were used. That too. Well, it's like 2015, so like it's not that long ago, but it was the kind of Fitbit that attached to your waistband. So, okay. She and Rick got the kids ready. Then she drove to the YMCA. This is all kind of, like, pieced together just by the fact that she is taking, she's moving, she's walking. Mm -hmm. Um, The police use the time that she's seen on the YMCA camera to backtrack and know that during the times that she's not walking, according to her Fitbit, she would have been driving. So they're able to figure that out. Mm -hmm. They compare this to the distance to the gym, figure out how many minutes it should take, and it lined up perfectly. So... She is seen on surveillance talking to the front desk between 8.53 and 9.08. I know that's a long time, but, like, friends come in. She's just kind of chitty-chatting. She's doing an Italian goodbye. Yeah. Presumably, this is where she finds out that her class has been canceled. Connie then drives back home and gets home around 9.18 or 9.20. She is walking around the house for a while, checking Facebook... Until at least 9.46. Connie. Wow. The, and this whole time there's an intruder. Mm-hmm. That's so Attacking scary. her husband. And she doesn't know. Yeah. Oh my god. Connie's steps continue and do not stop until 10.05. Wow. This directly contradicts with Rick's estimation that she got back from the YMCA around 9 or 9.05 and immediately a conflict ensued. Rick's phone and other records indicate that he never left the property that morning. Shocker! In fact, Rick's laptop shows that he was searching for tattoo ideas and reading Star Wars articles from 8.26 to 9.17. 
That's a long time. What a weird thing to be looking at, like, presumably, at this point, I'm guessing, you know, you're about to murder your wife. You're like, what tattoo should I get? And it's like- Meaningful tattoos for murderers. People do that. This is a big moment in my life. People search stupid stuff when they're about to kill someone, but it's like to make an alibi. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, Scott Peterson was looking up stuff- pretending to be Lacey, looking up, um, well, allegedly, he was looking up, like, umbrellas that she would like, but it's like, yeah, all that does is prove you're at home, yeah, that's not helpful for you, stupid, at 917, he searches for the Indian Valley YMCA's group fitness schedule, this would coincide with the time that Connie got home, which probably means he was not prepared for her to come home. And so he's like, do, 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 wait, shoot. Isn't she supposed to be at class? Which at, at that point, what's the point? What are you going to say to her? Your schedule says. Unless he like didn't believe her. Class. Like she said it's canceled and he didn't believe her. I don't know. But also, wait. who else just pulled into the driveway? A fucking intruder? It's Connie. If she's home <sighs> instead of going to... Messes up his timeline. Police were also able to get the records from the couple's home alarm system, which could actually indicate the opening and closing of some of the interior doors. So this is neato. Not for Rick, but for us. The couple had certain doors magnetized, and the records indicated when they were opened, closed, when they remained open, when they closed immediately, things like that. So... Bear with me here. At 8.47, the stay mode on the alarm was activated, which would turn on the outside alarms but turn off inside ones because someone is still inside. So basically you would do this when you're going to sleep. It won't go off if you get up and walk to go get water, but it would go off if someone broke into your home while you were inside. Mm -hmm. So he did not leave the house at 8.30 or 8.40 if he put the stay mode on at 8.47. At 8.50, or no, he also logs into his online account and attempts to disarm the system from that way. Mm -hmm. At 8.50, he is able to disarm the system from the login, but then he fully arms it again and then disarms it again at 8.59. But during the time that it was fully armed, he would not have been able to move throughout the house without setting off the alarm for those nine minutes. So, my guess here is he's trying to make it look like alarm the alarm was set for him to leave or something, and then what? He just literally didn't move. Just set, he probably just sat there for nine minutes, which is like that is interesting. Which is like so interesting. The parts that he does put thought in to, mm-hmm. and then the other parts like, whew. yeah. At 9 a.m. I feel like he would, like, anticipate, like, oh, I can't move because that's how my alarm works. And then he sees, like, a speck of dust roll away. And he's like, oh, I want to catch it. Or something. Yeah. Something very stupid that he's, yeah. like, moving for. Squirrel. A squirrel. At 9 a.m., the first door to open and close was the basement door, not the door into the residence. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that alarm was disarmed, 
No one walked back into the house, which means they were already in the house. They just stood up and opened the basement door. But he wants mm-hmm. us to believe that he got home at that time. I just also, like, don't understand. If you want people to believe these things, just do them. Just leave for work. Drive five minutes down the road. Send the email. You thought she was going to be at the Break. YMCA for so long. Yeah. Break your window. Break your window out from the outside into your basement. What? Take the money out of your wallet, dude. Why did this man just go through all this to steal your money? Whatever. Okay. Ridiculous. The garage and basement door continue to open and close until the basement door remains open at 928. And the garage door remains... Oh, by the way, the garage door, when I'm saying that, is, like, the garage to interior door. Not, like, garage mm-hmm. door. Okay. So, the, at 928, the basement door remains open. And at 934, the garage door remains closed. At this point, there is no more motion upstairs. But then the front door opens at 935. This is the last door to open or close before Rick presses the alarm at 10 11 the panic alarm which also means that basically before she went into the basement and was shot he had just left the basement door open which is like weird to me Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's part of whatever ruse to get her down there but like weird i feel like if i try to think too hard about what he was thinking that my brain's gonna get stuck like that like when you like cross your eyes too much like i feel like i'm gonna get stuck being stupid if i yeah i try too hard to figure this out i'm just just accepting it Mm -hmm. for what it is dumbassery yeah so rick's car was backed into a spot next to their garage when first responders arrived a neighbor actually gave testimony that they saw rick back it into that spot at 8 20 after his kids got onto the bus. Now, onto the basement. And we're going to compare the story that we're being told by Rick to the one being told in the basement. So, to begin, Rick claims not the actual story being told in the basement, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, my brain got stuck. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to figure out, I was like, is he not the one telling the story about the basement? But then I, fig- I realized what you meant. Yes. So, to begin, Rick claims to have yelled for Connie to get out of the house, but Connie, with her cell phone attached to her hip, decided to go further into the house and down to the basement to get their new gun out of the safe. To save her husband, who she barely likes at this point. (laughs) This is such a good point. Well, I actually wrote who How she... How pissed would you have to be at your husband to not help <laughs> Steals money out of my... He... Dude, that Comcast thing had just happened yesterday. I wouldn't be saving his ass. You actually think she was saving him? He's like, I'm... She said, I could cash in. Yeah. I could pay myself back that 12000 Yeah. 1200 Yeah. I actually wrote her husband who she should barely like at this point, but then I realized, like, nah, dude, she don't like him. <laughs> Stop. Oh, yeah. So, 
all of Connie's friends, when they talked about Connie and Rick's plans to get a gun, talked about how Connie was, like, kind of relieved to have something for safety because she was worried about the things that had been happening, but that Connie was deathly afraid of guns and had never used one. Probably is like, if this man even tries to learn how to use a gun, something will go wrong. Probably. There's literally no way he could do it correctly. Yeah. In the affidavit, they write about Rick's testimony regarding his wife being shot. Quote, He stated he saw the intruder close to the victim, but he could not see well because it was dark and that the victim was frozen. He stated the intruder was about three feet from the victim with his arm out pointing a gun at the victim's head. He stated he was about four feet from them and running towards them. The total distance from the doorway to the victim's resting place was about 13 feet, with the intruder between Rick and the victim. He stated the victim was facing away from the intruder and standing up. He stated the intruder shot the gun and he saw a flash. He said he saw the victim on the ground, but wasn't sure which way she landed, but that he may have seen her face. He said it was dark and she looked like a shadow. He then said he recognized the gun in the intruder's hand as his own. Let me do what you did in our pop culture episode with Carl's statement. He said it was dark, but that the intruder and was three feet from the victim with his arm out pointing a gun at the victim's head. He may have seen her face. It was dark, and she looked like a shadow, but he recognized I never seen a with a face. But he recognized the gun in the intruder's hand as his own. But it was dark. Just remember that. <laughs> and he's only four feet from the intruder, but he is running toward him. <laughs> to run four feet, your feet hit the ground four times. Again, I will say that this is only one section of the affidavit. At other times, Rick claimed to be 10 feet away and said that the intruder was only inches from Connie. So I can't possibly tell you every rendition of this story, but here we are. He then says that the intruder walked over to him and instead of using or even threatening the use of the gun in his hand, the intruder chooses to put Rick into a two-hand, quote, neck arm thing that included the use of Rick's pressure points. <laughs> he tells police that regarding the gun, the intruder either threw it down or held it or kept it. Can you imagine not knowing the word headlock? <laughs> Chokehold something. Come on now. <laughs> um, the neck arm thing. Mm-hmm. Two, two hands, too. But not sure where that gun went. Rick says... Not sure of anything. No. But... Literally anything in the world. Also, this story could have been, honestly, primo. But the moment you tell me this intruder got rid of the gun and decided to put you in a headlock, I'm gone. That did not happen. You lost me at the blowtorch. I know, but I'm saying if the whole rest of the story had made perfect sense, had been, like, mm. 
sensible in every way. If you tell me this intruder said, you know what, man, I'm going to set this gun down or hold it and keep it. Who knows, really? But I'm going to take both of my hands and put this man in a headlock and press on his pressure points. Yo, that's ridiculous. Sure. Rick says that the folding chair he was walked over to was not there before, but he makes no mention as to how or when the intruder would have had time to set it up. Over <laughs> over by the folding chair, there was a large pile of Rick's tools along with a pile of papers that had been burnt. They found Rick's box cutter, hammer, and blowtorch, and... There was a 90-degree angle of blood droplets by the couch in the basement. The blood droplets were large and consistent with being on Rick's finger. By this, I mean, like, if you had blood on your leg, it would land with less velocity because it would run down your leg. But if your Mm -hmm. finger is hanging and pointing directly down and nothing interfering with it, the blood would land in, like, a straight dot, right? Got it? Mm -hmm. There were also blood droplets found where Rick would have been in the folding chair. However, there was no void or empty space where the folding chair would have been while blood was falling. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. My hunch, and that of a few people, is that Rick genuinely did not know he had that cut on his finger He accidentally cut himself during all of this, and he did not mean to be dropping that blood everywhere. Uh, One of the podcasts I listened to, and given how how smart you think Rick DeBate is, you're probably going to agree with this. Um, People believe that he actually did all this with the lights off, possibly, for, I don't know, realistic effect. And so he maybe the, the one the <laughs> one realistic effect he insists on having. I don't know, but like he like pretends he went to work. He pretends <laughs> to call in sick or late, mm-hmm. but he actually turns the lights off. I don't know, man. This man is. I don't know. But how do you not realize your finger is dripping blood all around the crime scene you're trying to set up? But yeah. I really don't think he knew because. That finger blood, fuck. I mean, not that, not that he was looking great in any other way, but it fucked him over bad. I was gonna say, I wonder if because he like didn't know he was bleeding, and then he like saw it, he was like, "Oh yeah, and yeah. this is where he cut me." Well, see, or he honestly probably didn't even think about it, and he's just like, "Oh, this helps my case. Like I'm bleeding more." Like yeah. not realizing that you can tell whether blood comes from like different areas or like whatever. Yeah. But the blood's just seeping out of my mostly unharmed skin. (laughs) Yeah. So Detective Payette, who wrote the affidavit, is very clear about the setup and the location of the debate's new firearm and safe. The gun was kept in a safe usually used to keep files and papers. In fact, their personal documents were still inside. Now... I'll cut a little slack. They are new gun owners. They may have had this safe and just thought, like, why not? Why can't we just put a gun in it? Detective Payette points out that it is very strange to keep a gun in, like, a fireproof, like, just a fireproof safe. 
But, like, I don't know. Maybe they just hadn't bought... They bought a new safe for the different gun, but anyway. It was also kept in the part of the basement used as their children's play area. It was kept two and a half feet off the ground, with the keys to the safe sitting inside of it. Rick reports mm-hmm. that they kept this gun loaded. Good. The detective makes... Good idea. Mm-hmm. The detective makes a distinction that the gun in their bedroom is kept in the top of their closet, in a gun safe, unloaded with the keys separate from the safe. Basically, that's definitely not where they kept the gun, in the basement. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your confused look was... I was, I was thinking, like, like, why are you trying to make the police believe that you keep hate your children yeah like okay sir you didn't murder your wife but you're going to jail for child endangerment <laughs> yeah <what> the, <laughs> the, inve- the lesser of two evils i guess i mean yeah so the investigators also noticed some distinctive blood patterns exiting the basement and into the kitchen where rick was later found At the wood floor in front of the basement, as you exit, there were drops of blood. But at the transition of wood to kitchen floor, they turned into smears of blood. The smears did seem consistent with the blood on Rick's clothing. Detective Payette writes, it, quote, "...indicates that he was walking and dripping a small amount of blood as he exited the basement, but fell to the floor and dragged his legs across the floor to create a smearing of blood." Oh, it gets better. Payette later adds, Although it appears he was able to walk up the stairs and to the kitchen tile, he could not continue walking approximately six feet to the counter where he stated he had left his cellular phone. (laughs) Need help. They're still in here. Yeah, the the first guy that found him literally said, like, I thought he was dead because I was just calling his name and he wasn't speaking. Imagine, imagine you are, un- you're not speaking. Firefighters are, like, cutting you out of these zip ties. They think you can't breathe. You get to the hospital and they're like, put soap and water on that bitch. <laughs> Uh, he's literally a seven-year-old. <laughs> These people. This man has two children. Someone's. Oh, okay. Oh, he's about to have another one. I forgot. Okay. Yeah, but that one's not legitimate. So maybe he can stay away. Yeah. Well, he'll stay. The child stay. I'm thinking he'll stay away anyway, folks. So, no more laughter for this sentence. Connie was shot in the back of the head and in her stomach. Her head was presumed to be the initial shot because there was not much blood from her stomach. They also found one more bullet in the floor joist above her. So, presumably, like, a missed shot, possibly a warning shot. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think, like, I don't know. So, like, I guess what that means, I don't know. I just don't know what I think the ruse was. Like, did he send her yeah. down into the basement and he did, like, shock her 
shot her from like the back shot her back of the head she fell down and he for some reason thought he needed to shoot her stomach um i think it does seem like the shot from the stomach was from like a downward angle Mm -hmm. so i think that like makes sense and obviously like back of the head would make you think like she didn't see it coming but then like when did the missed shot happen did was it a warning shot like good god i hope that she wasn't aware of what was going on i wonder also though how good could a stupid person be at aiming yeah and so like is it possible that he was just like just did three shots and like two of them happened to hit her yeah, but and one happened to not. if you hit the back of her head, you wouldn't be able to hit the front of her stomach unless she, like, spins around. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, but you might. Yeah. Or, like, the, the back of the head one was intentional, and then, he wa- and then he wasn't sure she was dead, and he went again and just happened to hit her once and not the other time. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm just thinking, I just really wonder if the missed shot, like, was, like, accidental. Yeah. But not, like, far off from when the others happened. Yeah, so Derek Lavasser has a theory on this that apparently there's this, like, I don't know, phenomenon that when you shoot a gun in succession, you, like, maybe Mm -hmm. overcorrect, um... And so he was saying, like, I don't know, that maybe he shot once, like, was just shooting quickly. Shot once, shot again, and it was too high, so then he shot down, and that's where the stomach one was. Like, head, mm-hmm. floor joist, then stomach. Mm-hmm. Which, like, sure, the floor joist could be, could have been in any of those. Also, for all yeah. we know, the floor joist could have been at the end, and it could have been, like, to try to make it look like something else. Like... Yeah. I don't know. But you cannot try to make sense of this man. Yeah, I also just like I am typically one of those people that like I know there is like science, there's like ballistics and blood splatter science and all that, but like I tend to when people say like my the biggest one is like Kathleen Peterson, people are like, Absolutely could not be blank blank or blank and it's like you like don't know what her body would do falling down the stairs and like yeah. You, like, don't know. So, like, yeah, is it weird to think that you would shoot someone in the back of the head and they would spin as they fall? Yeah, it is, but people also survive headshots. So Right, like, maybe she's not spinning as she's falling, but maybe she's spinning to see what the fuck just happened. turning around, and, like, yes, she would die pretty instantly, but she might still have a chance to turn around. Even, like, not just because, like, she's shot in the head, but, like, at the... Like, from the sound. Mm-hmm. And maybe... True, Like, yeah. she's going to turn because of the sound and gets hit in the back of the head. As she's with turning. The shot before she gets all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. So, police were able to get DNA from the gun. They weren't able to directly identify... <laughs> they weren't able to directly identify anyone's DNA, but they did conclude that the mixture included the DNA of at least two people with the possibility of a third. 
They also found that Connie's DNA could not be excluded from that mixture. Connie's DNA was found on the barrel of the gun. Rick's DNA was included in the mixture on the ammunition box, but the mixture was said to include at least three people. Connie's Mm. hands did have gunshot residue present on them. Rick's did not, but they had not tested his hands until 3 p.m. after being treated in the hospital for a while. So, I think that's... The three people are Connie, Rick, and their child who gets to play with the gun. Yeah. Because they just leave it out in the open. (laughs) Yeah. And I do believe that they got the DNA of, like, the person that sold them the gun and ammunition to make sure that it wasn't theirs. And I think they were ruled out. So that is weird. It was new. Yeah. That is sussy though. Um, Maybe it's someone who looked at the gun. Yeah. And wanted to buy it. Yeah. It's only been two months, you know, or could it be Sarah's? I don't know. That changes things. I don't want to think about that. (laughs) I can't consider this theory right now. We can't think too little and we can't think too hard. Yeah. Um, his shirt did reveal some evidence of gunshot residue. Connie and Rick's DNA were found all over the safe that the gun was kept in. No DNA was found on the keys to the safe. Rick's DNA was found on the frame of the basement window. And the blood droplets all around the basement were confirmed to be Rick's, which of course we knew even based on his story. So, friends, family, and neighbors were starting to notice things and hear things going around. At Connie's wake service, which was the week between Christmas and New Year's, there was a line out the door, which I think is, like, even more, like, it's obviously a testament to how loved Connie was that there was a line out the door, but the week between Christmas and New Year's, that's, like, even more of a testament to how loved Connie was, I think. Oh, neighbors of Connie and Rick's named Peggy and Darlene were incredibly close with Connie. They called themselves the Three Musketeers, and they all referred to Connie as the mayor of Birchview Drive, which is the street they lived on. Peggy and Darlene recalled that when they went up to Rick at the service, he asked them who they are and how they knew Connie. Nope. They obviously thought this was weird because they knew Rick well. They had had meals at each other's homes and watched each other's kids. Why? Why are you being weird? I don't And lying. But is he, but like, did he just for, like, I don't, like, what? (laughs) Is he glitching? He can't hold that much information. So he's like, I don't know. (laughs) He said, I have put myself through the ringer. I cannot remember people anymore. Mm Mm-mm. They said they also thought to themselves, hmm, he doesn't have a single bruise or scratch on him only a week after he was attacked in his basement. A few days later, Peggy and Darlene said that he texted them saying, hi, good neighbors, where do you get takeout? Which they also thought was strange because he had lived there for a substantial amount of time and had obviously ordered takeout before. And he doesn't fucking know them. (laughs) How'd you get their number so fast, dude? <laughs> like, why would he need to ask them where to get takeout a week or two after his wife's murder? Like, not what your concern should be. He's literally acting brand new. Like, he's like, 
oh, how do you know Connie? And he's like, oh my god, now we're neighbors. How Where's neighbor? the good takeout around here? Like, I just like, moved in. <laughs> yeah. Why is this the story you're selling? Yeah. Did they damage your brain in the intrusion? With the is that what you're going for? The light taps on the head. He's like, he's like, this can go one of two ways. Either everyone will believe that I was hurt so badly that I remember nothing, or they will believe that I am mentally ill <laughs> and I can get away with it because yeah. I clearly don't know anything. Yeah. I can't know right from wrong because I know nothing. Yeah. So, in general, the community thought he was acting strange. By the winter of next year, there were still no arrests and no official suspect had been named. Which feels weird, given what they learned on day one. Yeah. On April 14th, 2017, the neighbors heard sirens screeching in where Rick was just pulling into his driveway. Police arrested him out of his car, but the trial was then pushed back so many times with various delays, including COVID, and then the death of his main defense attorney, Hubert Santos, and Rick did not actually go to trial until April of 2022. Up until that point, Rick was walking around in Ellington, Connecticut, free on bail. His relationship with Sarah Ganser continued after his arrest. <laughs> yeah. No, Sarah. Girl. Now, in his trial, Sarah was a witness for the state, but she was described as an almost hostile witness. She said that Why she, would they want her to be their witness? Just to, like, testify that there was an affair. You know, like, you want the mistress up there i guess um and she would say helpful things like i didn't we did not plan this pregnancy with connie <laughs> um, so she said that she never threatened him and he never would have felt pressure to leave his marriage because of her basically just trying to say that he wouldn't have felt the need to kill his wife because there wasn't any pressure put on him she did admit to being a little upset at times when he had not gotten divorced she says that she became pregnant in May, told Rick about the pregnancy in June, and in August, Rick told her he had met with a lawyer about getting a divorce from Connie. She believed that Rick was planning to serve Connie with divorce papers during that week, which would be cruel because it was Christmas. It will be a Merry Christmas. You've been served. <laughs> On December 20th, Sarah texted asking Rick why he had taken Connie on a childless vacation without telling her if he's wanting a divorce. Which is, I think, a fair question. I thought you were leaving this lady. Why y'all going on a romantic vacay? I don't know that I think there are any fair questions. <laughs> For Rick? <laughs> he replied that he would explain more when they saw each other next, and he said, quote, Connie has a book on divorce for the modern times. We've been going through the exercises. One is actually to post something that you normally would when the marriage was good, then delete it, something about putting the past in the past. End quote. Now, he says that because, like, that's how Sarah found out about the trip, is, like, because Connie had posted it on Facebook. Um, so he's saying, like, oh, no, no. We were just posting it. 
Because it's this modern times divorce exercise. But also, she didn't delete it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? She failed at the I exercise. Why, why people are like, this is why people say that people only post in, on Instagram when they're having trouble yeah. in their relationship. Yeah. from Because of these books. For the modern times. No, he, there's no book. He made <laughs> because of Rick. Because of Rick's dumbass. Their last contact was the night before Connie's murder. A text from Rick saying, I'll see you tomorrow, my little love nugget. They were, <laughs> they were supposed to get together on the 23rd to exchange Christmas gifts. But he was busy. I don't know if... Yeah. I don't know. I'm just picturing, like, the chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A and the heart. I'm picturing, like, when our mom used to call people chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. Not like, love. a very new day. Yeah. No. I'm like, yeah, I guess you were a love nugget. <laughs> you a chicken nugget. So, Rick also took this stand in his own trial. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. The process... So that's what all the smart people do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, if I were his lawyer, I would have been like, I will quit. If you go on the stand, you cannot do that. So the process. I will literally kill you myself. Yeah. Which I guess like they always say if that person is the only witness and like technically he would be the witness because he's claiming another crime occurred. But the prosecution questioned Rick on the timeline, explaining that according to the Fitbit and phone evidence, not only was there a lot of unaccounted for time, but he and Connie had been in the home together for over 30 minutes before Connie was killed. Rick's new to- boo, boo, boo. Rick's new story in his testimony was that he came into the house, made himself some coffee, vegged out on the couch, and didn't hear the noise upstairs for quite a while. It's giving Alec Murdoch. I must have fallen asleep for maybe seven minutes. Didn't you go home to check in alert? And mm -hmm. you didn't want to actually check? Yeah. Also, he doesn't seem to account for him and Connie being in the house together for 30 minutes in this new testimony. He's just vegging out on the right. couch alone. Here's, here's the thing. If you... If the alert you got is so important that you cannot make it to work until you go check it out yeah then you should actually be checking on something yeah otherwise if it's like something that you would just go home and chill out until you're ready to go back to work you wouldn't have you wouldn't have gotten halfway to work and been like you know what i can't come right now i'll be there later yeah of this alarm he says that like he forgot his laptop but he felt embarrassed or like worried to tell his boss that he forgot his laptop because he thought that they would be mad and then when the alarm went off which it really did go off that he used that as like a secondary reason but firstly was the laptop reason but then when he got home he decided hey i'm already late i already gotta be here for a second to get my laptop and I just told my boss police might be showing up because my alarm went off so I'm just gonna veg out to which I ask did the police show up 
you told your you told your boss I gotta get home because the police show up automatically. And no part of this story did you get home and find police at your house. Weird. So interesting. At the end of the trial, the jury deliberated for one day. And then they found Rick DeBate guilty of the murder of his wife. Connie's friends and family remember her as a best friend to everyone. Someone who brought others together. And a caring and beautiful person. Darlene remembers her walking through the hallway of their kid's school singing over the rainbow. That was one of her last memories of Connie. She was the mother of two boys, six and nine years old, and her family talks about how great of a mother, sister, and daughter Connie was. And that's the end. Any final thoughts? Um, no. Good job. I think this man is stupid. Mm-hmm. I yes. think he may be the stupidest person we've ever talked about. Yeah. Yeah, this... This case takes up so much space in my brain. Like, it's like Casey well, Anthony, Connie DeBate. It's gotta take up space in somebody's brain. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, it just like sucks because like once again, Rick, and not for like a good reason this time, but Rick is, like, the star of the show. Like, when you think of Connie mm-hmm. DeBate's case, all you think of is, like, how fucking stupid her husband is. But I also right. think, and it's, like, annoying that he got to walk free for seven years. But I also think, thank you to him for making this a pretty easy one to solve from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, my man. Yeah, goodbye. Tiny debate seems like a cool There's one thing, gal. Thing terrible men are good for. It's being stupid enough to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you want to he- hear more from Connie's friends and family, the Dateline episode on this case has a lot of interviews with them. And then I also used the Crime Weekly podcast. So, thank you and good night. Bye. Bye. This week we have a bonus episode on YouTube only. So go find us there at Housewife Did It Pod, Housewife Singular, to watch our bonus episode on the arrest of Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt.